Thrive Leadership Podcast in three, two, cue music. This is the Thrive Leadership Leadership Podcast. Podcast. It's a place to connect you to nationally acclaimed leaders, their insights, and ideas on how to help you thrive in every area of of your life. On today's episode... Charity Waters, Scott Harrison. You know, I have this conversation with my dad and he said, well, son, I've been in business 30 years and by the way, not everything goes up and to the right every single year. Did you stay true to your values? And I said, yeah. He said, did you ever feel like you compromised? I'm like, no, I couldn't have worked any harder. And he said, well then get back in the fight. Now your hosts, Brad Lominick and CJ Alvarado. Scott Harrison in the house. Hi, yes. so good to have you here, buddy. Nice to be here. Beautiful day. It is. California. It is. And you can't see Scott, hmm. but he looks like he always looks. You have an outfit, by the way. It's all black. It is. Yeah. You're out. It's just easy. I have like 10 black shirts and a few pair of black jeans. I love it. Every time yeah, I see you, it works. You're wearing the same outfit. Is that part of that philosophy? Like you don't have to think about much else. You allocate those brain resources. It's turned into that. Yeah, yeah. It's turned into that. No, right. I mean, I think that whole, where, where did that come from? Steve like, Jobs. Steve Jobs. Yeah. You're a genius automatically then, bro. Don't own any turtlenecks. No, it's it's like representing New York, I think. Outside right. of New York, okay. you know, people expect this from us. They yeah. expect just black on black on black. Yeah. So we, we want to deliver. Like you it. look the part. Yeah, you yeah. always look the part. And you got your son with you here. I do. It's the first time I've ever taken him to hear me speak. So that'll be fun. That's great. He's always, uh, he's seen some videos and, you know, I travel a lot and, you know, daddy, where are you going? Oh, daddy, did you make a speech? How did it go? So we'll see. He's three and a half. I told him he can't talk. We had a long car ride out from San Francisco. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so you can't talk at all. Okay. I have this, you know, we'll fear that, of him we'll at the holds. most inappropriate moment right. saying, Daddy! Yeah. He may not you, talk, but he could run on stage. Yeah, you, know? yeah. you could play off of that, though. Earth, right? you, you're, you're, yeah. you're skilled enough yeah. now as a, as yeah. a, as a communicator. Hey, son, come up here. <laughs> yeah, that you can, you <laughs> not can in 30 minutes, though, Brad. Come on, yeah. you know me. It's going to be hard you, enough. You, you do. You're, uh, you, you like the hour or more. To really yeah. unpack the story. I, I do. I just did an hour and 15 minutes in Berlin. I like spending time with the audience. Yeah. Well, That's and cool. for those who don't know, you're the founder of Charity Water. You've you've been at this for, gosh. 11 years. Crazy. This is year 12. Yeah. Wow. The number of people now that have been impacted. Let's Eight. just talk about the stats. 8.2 million. Amazing. Out of 660 million. So depending on, it's a lot of people. And it's 1.2% of the global problem. Mm. So 180th down. But we, but we still we still made a dent. 79 80s to go. It's a dent. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, what's golden one is your stadium here? Yeah. It's 456 golden ones. Mm. So it's a lot of it's a lot of stadiums full of people. Um, wow. I think what's exciting now we're helping 3,500 people every day. So now we're actually on a clip where um, 3,500 people every single day get clean water for the first time. So we're doing close to a million and a half people every year now. Yeah. And over the course of 11 years, you've obviously impacted millions of people. You, you've also learned some things. And this is a leadership podcast. Mm-hmm. You, you've learned some things about scaling. Mm. You learned some things about building an organization. Mm-hmm. You learned some things about hiring. I just want to open it up to you to say maybe what are, you know, a couple of those lessons that stand out for you as you look back on the first 11 years? Oh, boy. Um, you know, we had eight years of consecutive growth. So we just came out of the gates fast. 2 million, 6 million, 9 million, 16 million, 23 million, 28 million, 35 million, 45 million. And, you know, that, that was almost a million dollars a week. And we had our first down year in year nine. And, you know, for us, uh, instead of, you know, 
it's not revenue for profit. It's not revenue for shareholders. You know, the, the stakeholders are people getting access to clean water. So in 2014, we had this year where we just broke a million human beings that year getting clean water. And then the next year, two donors who had given a huge amount the year before, one, uh, their company laid off 10,000 employees and their giving went to zero. Mm-hmm. And another donor's stock went down 40% and his giving went to zero. And we had our first down year. And we helped 820,000 people that year get clean water. So I actually felt like I let down 180,000 people. Um, and I just, I'd never known non growth. I mean, there was no paradigm for it. So uh, I had my, you know, crisis of crisis moment. I call up every board member. I try and fire myself. Like now it's time to bring on the professional CEO. I'll stay with the organization. Um, I can be, you know, chief water boy uh, or, uh, you know, work on innovation, continue to speak and and fundraise. But, you know, now it's time for a a professional CEO to come in. And uh, then I remember sitting with my executive team and, you know, the, the feeling at an offsite was, dude, go back to work. <laughs> like, stop whining and go back to work. Let's yeah. fix our problems. <laughs> so, you know, long story there, but I basically wound up taking a month off because for years people had been saying, you're going too fast, you're going to burn out. And I'm sure, you know, a bunch of leaders listening to this have been told that at different points in their life. And it really was nine years to catch up to me. You know, I was doing 98 flights at mm. the peak. Um, you know, it would, and, and this is in coach too, we're a charity. So we've never bought a business class ticket for me or for anyone else. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've been to Ethiopia 30 times. I've been to 69 countries. And that's no easy flight. No. Oh, it's miserable. <laughs> yeah. By the way, oh, now man. 42 bad knees, oh, six foot man. one, you know, I, I dread it. I'm going to try and break it up into chunks, you yeah. know, 14 hours in Ethiopian air, no fun. Um, so basically I take a month off and, you know, I have this conversation with my dad and he said, well, son, I've been in business. 30 years. And by the way, not everything goes up and to the right every single year. Did you stay true to your values? And I said, yeah. He said, did you ever feel like you compromised? I'm like, no, we worked our butts off. Like, I, I couldn't have worked any harder. I made 150 speeches that down year. Uh, and he said, well, then, you know, get back in the fight and mm-hmm. go fix your problem. So mm-hmm. what I learned in that was that I'd actually built the wrong business. Uh, I say business, it's organization. We kind of Charity Water feels like a startup, so we use business terms, but it's a nonprofit and 100% of the money goes directly to the project. So I felt like the, the problem or the learning there was that we had built a, we built an organization that started at zero every year. Mm-hmm. So no matter how hard we worked, no matter how many people gave up their birthdays for us, no matter how many flights or speeches I was able to make, January 1, the ticker rolls all the way back to zero. Mm-hmm. And you have to do it all again and then more. Right. And at some point, the more becomes, at least for me, just became unsustainable. We just couldn't do more. So, you know, I was fortunate to <laughs> to talk with a couple of friends in the subscription business and say, you know, Netflix doesn't have this problem. Spotify doesn't have this problem. HBO doesn't have this problem. Right. They don't start at zero January one. You know, they are uh, they are building on a base of people who are committing to them and their product month in and month out. So, you know, I talked to uh, Spotify's founder, Daniel Eck, who's been a supporter of the org and uh, said, well, what if I could create a subscription program for good, build a community of people around the world and just ask them to give what they can every month. Some as little as $10, some $100, some 30. And how would we reinvent that subscription space? So if the sponsor a child model was maybe the old model, right, that, that worked for many years, but but not really a model that's resonating with millennials, right? The idea mm-hmm. of, a, of a child writing them actual letters for exactly $38 a month over a 10-year period. 
Um, what could we do that would feel innovative and differently? So we called it the spring. I went up hiring Jason Russell um, from Invisible Children to work on a video, a 10-year anniversary video. And we've never hired anyone outside before. So this was anathema. You know, my CFO is like, wait, we're going to pay someone else to make a video with us? You know, we've made 400 videos right. in-house. Like, yeah, this yeah. is what we do. And I'm like, well, we need an outside eye. And, uh, and we wound up making this 10th anniversary video that was 20 minutes long. And everyone said, no one will ever watch a 20-minute video. You know, this, uh, people won't even watch a three-minute video these days. And we said, well, I remember Jason saying, well, if it's good, they will. So we, we make this video. We use the video to launch this community called The Spring. And, you know, now a year and a half later, you know, we've got 22,000 people from 94 countries. Um, it's up 156% year over year. A huge part of the organization now is shifting from the one-time model to now subscription. Mm. And, you know, that's really where we see the future. We're still trying to figure out what do we give people? How do we make it sticky? Um, you know, we've, we just shot a bunch of exclusive content only for those 21,000 people. So Charity Waters had over a million donors. And we said, let's lock up this content and, you know, really make you feel like you're a part of a community. The people that decide to show up, you know, 30 bucks a month, January, February, March, April, May. Um, how do we show them where their money's going? How do we inspire them? So that's kind of the scale. And now we're actually, you know, it's interesting. If you Google um, business S-curves, this is a very common yeah. thing. Yes. Right? You have your dip and then you either innovate or you die. Um, there's a great book called The Innovator's Dilemma yeah. and, you know, Crossing the Chasm. There are all these similar concepts. So now we're on our upswing again. Last year, we grew 39%. So we're now raising well over a million dollars every week. Um, and a lot of that is based on that pivot. Wow. Um, I don't know how long that'll go. I mean, we'll have to continue to innovate with that. I think that's, that's the way we want people to give. If we'd started that 10 years ago, imagine if we had a million people giving 30 bucks a month. Yeah. You know, we'd be giving, I mean, be extraordinary. Yeah. By the way, before yeah. you ask, yeah. I want to ask you, because yeah. I think this is your first time to meet Scott. Yes, or, it is. And he's talking, he's just like talking my CJ, language. CJ, right you're, yeah. you're a creative guy. Yeah. You're a brand guy. Yeah. Uh, when you Innovation first, when guy. you saw Charity Water for yeah. the first time, oh, what were yeah. your thoughts? No, it was incredible. Yeah, it was it, for me. It was just like um, I had the thought like, this is cool. It's different, and it felt like something that resonated with me. Maybe cool. People don't know what they throw that word around, but what happened was something a lot deeper. It just it just mm. resonated where I felt like this is probably where my tribe would be, and I think that's what brands hope to try to do. But what I loved about what you just said, Scott, was really, you turned kind of what I think a lot of people who are in organizational life or business life experience that dip, but you turned that into kind of a catalyst for innovation. Whereas a lot of folks could probably just be like, that was a down year. <laughs> let's just, let's just keep going and hope we don't have that again. Mm -hmm. I think it's an incredible takeaway. Yeah. I mean, I, I can talk about innovation. I mean, I think that's, that's so core to who we are as an organization. We've particularly been interested in using technology yeah. for good. You know, how do we take whatever technology is of the day and commandeer that for good? So, yeah. you know, for instance, I started calling Apple um, when I first saw Apple pay and said, I want to be the first charity where you can give using your thumb. So we want to be in the pilot. So it took a, you know, a while. And, you know, the minute they said, hey, Apple Pay is now finally ready on the web, we were there. 
Um, and, you know, it was already integrated across all of our, our sites. So it's that kind of thinking. You know, we made a VR film uh, now almost four years ago before the cameras mm. were out there. We took eight GoPros and we had somebody in L.A. build us a rig and we shot an eight-minute film. And then we, because people were so interested in it yeah. then, we showed it to over 15,000 people and used that film to raise millions and millions of dollars. And just knowing, hey, look, people are going to be, they're going to be gaming in VR. There's probably going to be pornography in VR. There's, there's yeah. going to be all of these kind of uses maybe that are, are less wholesome or less redemptive. But we can tell a story of a 13-year-old girl getting clean water for the first time in her life and move people to tears. And what was so interesting to me about VR was, was even less the, you know, the 360 or the way of watching a film, but attention. I mean, there's a moment in time yeah. where people will put down their phone mm -hmm. for the first time all day right. and let me for eight minutes intravenously deliver redemptive content to their brain, right. you know, in, in the most non-distracted present way. Yeah. Um, and we've seen people, there was a guy in my office once, Great story. So he, uh, he had Googled charity water and he was Googling good charities or something. Some of the, <laughs> some of the ways people find us is yeah. amazing, you know, good charities or I guess, um, favorite. Anyway, so he finds us online and makes a $50,000 gift and we invite him into the office and I sit with him for 30 minutes and his money actually went to Ethiopia where this was filmed. And I say, on your way out, you should just see this virtual reality film and just get a sense of one of the villages that you've impacted. You know, you've actually helped five villages, but just get a sense of one girl, one village. So I don't see this. I go into my next meeting. One of my colleagues takes him into the VR room. He watches the film, takes it, the headset down, tears in his eyes, throws his wallet down on the table and says, I haven't done enough, writes a $500,000 check. Wildness. So, you know, the power of harnessing technology for mm. good. Now, at the time when we made the film, everyone's saying it's too early. Why yeah. would we spend this money? There's no market. Nobody even have headsets. Right. So you have all of this pushback at the beginning. And, you know, sometimes you just have to do it. Not everything works, by the way. But right. um, now VR is much less interesting to us because... Everybody's doing it. Yeah. With like, I mean, technology in particular, just it's obviously changing so fast. How, as an organization, have you guys kind of retained that appetite to stay up with that change and to keep learning? Because, uh, I mean, human nature is, for all of us, just to kind of latch on to, to what you know and stay there. So we're storytellers. So whenever we look at technology, it's how do we tell better stories, more interesting stories? Um, how do we use it to connect people? So technology is always just a... It's just always a tool to connect our donors to what their money's doing. So I'll give you an example. We, um, we needed a million dollar drilling rig in Ethiopia and we could have gotten a donor to give a million dollars. And I said, let's go get 10,000 people to give a hundred dollars and let's put all their names on the drilling rig. So they feel like they're connected to this machine that for the next 20 years is going to drive around saving lives. So we crowdfund this campaign, we raised a million dollars, and then we said, well, how do we continue to connect them? So we figured out how to mount a GPS device on the rig, build out a website where people could track the rig in real time at any moment. And then we said, well, let's give the rig a Twitter account. So we're training our Ethiopian <laughs> drillers that every time they drill a well, they press this button, which goes through the GPS device and tweets the location to all the people that funded the rig. You know, you were talking about, I was talking about storytelling, you know, 
almost as an aside. So the rig drills for a couple years, and then I get word that our rig has crashed in Ethiopia. And this comes through the grapevine, and our, our partners, our amazing local partners, there's 600 people working in the water department in uh, this region in Tigray, Ethiopia. Our partners are a little ashamed to tell us about this because, you know, we crashed this brand new, you know, two-year-old, whatever, brand new rig. Mm-hmm. You know, they think we're going to be upset with this. So I get word of this, and I try and dispatch a camera team immediately to go bring photos and video of our busted rig with all the wheels up in the air. And I'm going to email it to the 10,000 people and say, we crashed your rig and use that story to speak to the values of our partners Hmm. who at the time shouldn't were they were on a road they shouldn't have been trying to get to a remote village and you know that speaks to the work these aren't we're not drilling wells by the side of the road they're taking risks we've all had accidents we've all totaled Hmm. cars and by the time we got there they'd already fixed it so it was too late but i think it's we see stories everywhere so how do we how do we adapt technology whether it's vr or augmented reality or at our gala um, at the Met last year in New York City, we brought 400 people in black tie to the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and we matched up all 400 people coming to the gala with a person in a village. Mm. And we had sent our creative team to do three weeks of interviews, photo headshots, and video portraits. And we came back with 400 people's lives documented. We then loaded them into 400 iPads. And then we matched up person for person Mm. the people we knew coming to the gala with their counterpart in Ethiopia. So a couple that had been married for 20 years coming to the New York gala would be be matched with a couple in the village. So you walked in and you met your person. And then we handed out a a special giving tablet and said, we're going to put up all 400 faces on black and white. And... All we want right now is for you to give $30 and give your person clean water. We can drill a well for $12,000. None of these people will drink bad water again. So, you know, you're, this is a black tie event, right? $2,500 a ticket, $25,000 a table. So everybody gives $30 as they give. Their person goes from black and white to color on the screen. So it's 1010 in New York at this moment, which means in that actual village, it's 610 a.m., hmm. eight hours later. And we had dispatched the drilling rig in the middle of the night. So I said, great. We're going to open up a satellite feed and we'll drill the well in real time. And people lost it. I mean, you had hundreds of people just weeping as they're seeing their people Mm. 3,000 miles away, connected by, I don't know, a Canon 5D and a bunch of satellite equipment, you know, and a 100-foot screen in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And then we handed out the giving tablet and said, now give what's in their heart. And they gave $3.5 million. So I think, you know, it's, it's all technology to promote uh, empathy, compassion, connectedness, if that's a word, mm-hmm. and so not good, just man. technology for the sake of technology. Speaking oh, of personal, so uh, you do have a book coming out that's very personal. I do, I do. Yeah. Entitled Thirst. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, I spent 18 months uh, going to deep, dark places. And, uh, you know, I, I think I wanted to, you know, tell the whole story, right? It's, it's you, know, you get snippets in 20 or 30 minutes and, you know, really honor some of the people along the way mm-hmm. who, you know, people may not have known about some of the contributions that really got us to where we are today. Um, there were moments the organization went, almost went bankrupt. Um, there's drugs in the book from my past. There's guns. I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff that people don't know that um, I hope will just inspire people. And, uh, you know, it's, it's also being able to tell my faith story in long form has been more interested than the sound bites. Yeah. You know, I mean, most of our most of our supporters at this point are people of no faith. They're certainly that don't share my faith. So in 95,000 words, you know, you're able to, I think, more authentically 
lay out, um, you know, the, the experiences that I had in hopefully a way that's not preachy. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, you know, it's, I'm, I'm giving away, you know, the whole advance, all the profits, uh, proceeds to charity water and hope that the book will, you know, will inspire people to give and, and go start their own thing. And it releases the first week of October. Not a busy time. I'm told. No, not at all. No. And, and last word from you, you're out inspiring lots of people. There's leaders listening to this conversation. What would you want to say to them? I mean, I think looking back now in 11 years, the most important thing is, uh, you know, really staying true to your values. I mean, it's so much more important how you do something than what you're actually doing. And we've had so many, so many opportunities to compromise so many times where, you know, we could have taken the easy way out. Um, and I write about a lot of these in the book. I mean, we were, you know, we were sued actually, you know, there was this awful lawsuit against us eight years ago and there were easy way outs. And we just, we told the truth. We actually told the public, we're like, Hey, we're getting sued. Mm. Um, and here's what happened. And, and then the thing of course, miraculously goes away. And yeah, you, I think you have to really, you know, we, we put integrity above all else. I mean, above all else, above money, above, you know, even helping people get clean water. You just can't take shortcuts. You know, one, one example of that, we didn't want to be in the bottled water business. We turned down $30 million to put our logo on a plastic bottle. And maybe might've been hundreds of millions, but you know, we just didn't want to be in that business. We don't want to pollute the environment. We don't want to leave logos in landfills. So I think, you know, saying no to something like that allows us to step into billions of dollars. You know, if, if we're around playing the game 10, 20, 30 years later. Well said, man. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of the Thrive Conference and on this podcast. And we can't wait for the book to release and more great things from Charity Water. Good to see you guys, man. Well, if you're loving this interview and you haven't subscribed yet, what are you doing? Yeah, come on. Come on. Get in there. There's uh, all kinds of good stuff coming up too. Also, Mr. Brad, we've got a product. We do have a product that everybody needs to pay attention because this might be one of those resources you look back on 2018 Mm -hmm. and say, this was a game changer for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for those who go to Thrive Conference and experience one of those conferences, whether it's the leadership or the, the apologetics, a lot of them are going, how do I take some of these resources into the everyday life and work? And so now we have Thrive 365, a way to not only just view and access previous conference content, you get all kinds of really cool tips and hacks and new content that I think is coming from incredible leaders and stuff we can actually use. Yeah. This is basically your daily resource curriculum, you might call it, Mm -hmm. to allow you to continue to grow as a leader. And the in-between of Thrive Conferences is the part where sometimes it's hard to know sort of what track to get on. Right. And so we wanted to create a system, a process that you could plug into pretty easily and be able to grow your leadership on a daily, regular basis. Exactly. So you go to thriveconference.org, go to the store and look for Thrive 365. The cool thing is it's so affordable, you know, $9.99 a month. It's cheaper than your coffee, bro. I'll tell you what, it's cheaper than my Netflix subscription. Oh yeah. It's cheaper than my Amazon Prime subscription. It's cheaper than my Apple Music subscription. Mm -hmm. So it's coming in there like mid-level on the old list of subscriptions I got working. Absolutely. But it's adding way more value. And it's for your church and for your own personal leadership. Get it. Thrive 365 and get all that goodness that's in there. Yeah. If you're trying to reach us, which we always welcome that as well 
podcasts at thriveconference.org. Hit us up there. Regardless of where you hang out, social media, online, digital, analog, we're glad you're on this journey with us. Yeah. We're glad you're part of the Thrive community. You're listening to the podcast. Tell your friends about it. Subscribe, rate, review online. Go to iTunes or anywhere else and, and keep listening because we hope we're adding value. hope we're taking you somewhere. We hope we're giving you some nuggets to be able to put into practice. As we always say, we want you to be a healthy leader and have a thriving church. Until next time, this is the Thrive Leadership Podcast. The Thrive Leadership Podcast is hosted by CJ Alvarado and Brad Lominick and is produced by Kip Johns. To download and share this and other Thrive podcasts, go to thriveconference.org.